Welcome to the Antler Archives, brought to you by White Rock Performance Gear. Quality, performance, and style. Hoodle Lifestyle. Hunt harder, go further, stay longer. Wapiti River Outdoors. Share our passion. And Cliff Creek Coffee. Built for the trail. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Antler Archives. We're here for episode 15. Got Brian on here today, me and Brian, and uh, Craig's chasing horses around somewhere, I think. <laughs> Last yeah. time Brian was chasing his dog, this time Craig's chasing horses. Always chasing something. Another month we'll be chasing sheep, elk, and deer. Month. We're going on, uh, like, yeah. I think, what I say today, 11 days, 12 days? Yeah. We're going in the 22nd. Today's the uh, 6th. Today's the 8th. Oh, the 8th. I'm way behind. You are. That's okay. <laughs> That's what happens when you work so much. I expect it from you. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get in my time before hunting season, then I can relax a little bit. That's right. So how's your scouting been? Have you gone out to check any of your cameras lately? Uh, a few of them. Good and bad. I don't know. A little bit disappointed with what I've had on them, but at the same time, I've gained a lot of intel, not necessarily through cameras, but just through scouting and kind of doing observation sits that I think is going to be really good come this fall um as far as cameras i've gotten a few deer a few elk uh one camera actually that i had set up for elk whenever i set it up i it was a cell phone camera usually i screw screws in along the antennas because elk for whatever reason love to chew or rub against antennas or at least i've found and uh break the antennas off Uh, about a week and a half after it was set up sure enough quit getting pictures off of it so i finally got in to check that one and a couple nice bulls on it um kind of surprising actually that area I thought that I might get one, you know, hit or miss, but the elk had been going in there really regular. And then another area, elk kind of hit and miss. But uh, as far as deer, a lot of nice deer, I'm going to say, on camera in a lot of different spots. But this year, I'm kind of going after one of two deer, more one deer that my daughter has nicknamed Peppa after Peppa the pig. And he is a hog. Yes, Uh, he is. (laughs) I've over the summer gotten one picture of him. But I have seen him in person twice. And I think what happened was 
last year he was betting in a different spot. Uh, but the area that he was betting in, the farmer bulldozed that bush down. It was a lot of like willowy buckbrush kind of stuff, probably four or five acres. And you couldn't see in past 10 feet. Well, last year the farmer went and cleared all that stuff out, bulldozed it over so that he could farm that area. So I think that his patterns have changed and where I set my cameras up is not necessarily where he's hanging out this year. Uh, But I have seen him twice and actually gained a lot of information on him the two times that I have seen him as far as his travel routes, that type of thing. So hopefully... um, I think his main bedding area is in one of two spots. I don't have that narrowed down yet, but uh, both of them are really close to each other. So hopefully we can figure that out before season comes in and get him pinpointed. Yeah, that'd be nice to see it on him. He's a, both bucks that you're after pretty big. Yeah, I don't think, I know I sent you pictures of the one last year. Um, my brother-in-law has actually got the camera there and I didn't steal his pictures, but he showed me the pictures. Usually he just hands me his phone and says, here, look at these pictures. But this time he didn't. And I, I sneakfully, sneakfully send them to myself whenever he's not looking. But this time he just showed me on his phone and it's at my mother and father, mother and father-in-law's place. And it's a real nice deer too. He's actually grown quite a little bit from from last year. So, is it that big four by four that I seen last year? Yeah, it's that big. I'm pretty sure it's that big four by four. But he's gained uh, one. He'd be a five by six this year, and he's a bit wider, about the same height. But he was a tall deer last. Yeah. So he's, he, I would say is probably going to be pushing 165, 170. That's a good deer. Yeah, that's a good deer for sure. He was big last year. I remember he was big last there. year. Like he had the frame last year. He had width, he had height. He just was a four by four. He didn't have the points, but yeah, this year he's carried the width. He's carried the height and gained three extra points. So. He's uh he's a nice deer. Yeah, last year when we went up there, I was kind of open to going after anything. And then seeing that one on the first night when we split up there and passed up a couple of decent deer. Not big, but they're nice deer. Yeah. And you kept bugging me, wondering why I was passing them up. And I kept telling you about this 4 by 4 I seen, and you didn't believe me. And I think it was... Christmas right around wasn't it and you said uh, no it was it was still hunting season because I remember uh my wife Marina for whatever reason she doesn't really hunt she's killed one deer two deer something like that but yeah she's 
not really interested. She loves to shoot, but not really hunt. And last year she said, well, I'd like to get a tag. I said, okay, sure. We'll go out to your parents' place. It'll be a fairly easy hunt, easy walk. And we set up for that deer a couple times. So it was still in season. Uh, So it had been mid to late November. But yeah, my mother-in-law sent me a picture out their living room window. This deer was eating at their bird feeder. (laughs) Yes. And I remember you sending yep. me that picture saying, is this the deer you've seen? And as soon as I see that, <laughs> I think it was the deer. And he's like, and you said, yeah, uh, now I know why you were holding out. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, even as a four by four, what he was probably pushing one fifties for sure. Yeah. I'd say mid to upper one fifties. Yeah. But yeah, this year he's, he's gained three points and gained a bit of width but i'm sure it's the same deer if you look at the pictures of last year and this year well you might have to try and snag that picture (laughs) yeah maybe i'll text him and see if he'll send it to me but like i said usually he just hands me his phone and i'll go through the pictures and i just send them to myself but this time he didn't i don't know (laughs) he's hiding something he's He's got a bigger one on there I don't know. Hey, he might. There's, <laughs> it's definitely a good area back in there. It's it's just yeah, there's it not. They travel through the property. They eat on the property, but they don't bed on the property. They don't live on the property. That's the problem there. No, so and where they do bed, it is very thick. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. But I think early season he would be a fairly easy deer to kill because the wind would usually be right. Um, it would just take a couple sits, a matter of him coming out to feed in that field. But yeah, the wind is usually right. Everything's usually right to sit it. It's just a matter of when he comes out. So, yeah. But... And you didn't get any draws this year, eh? I didn't get any draws. I wasn't expecting to get any draws. Um, I had my moose last year. And truthfully, I did not put in for any draws. I mean, I put in, but I just priority only all my draws that I had. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought you did because your mule deer will be getting back up there, but... Yeah, mule deer, I think I'm four or five, but me and you have talked about, because you're a rider, yeah, me and you had mule deer draws at the same time, so yeah. we've talked about holding on and doing a, a hunt together. Yeah, areas. whether it's a trip down south or up north or yeah, wherever, but yeah, it'll yeah. be fun. Oh yeah, it'll be a blast. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd be pretty proud of me. I finally set up a tree stand early, <laughs> early season before season started. And I left myself fairly covered in. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I think that's one of your biggest downfalls of tree stand hunting is you you try to make sure that you have the shots, but that's not always the best 
if you have yeah. a couple windows, sometimes you have to make the shots. Yeah, I like to I like to see everything, and yeah. uh, sometimes it bites me in the butt. Yeah, but uh, no, this one I kept the whole back in covered in except for one spot to hang my bow, and then it covers the sides pretty good. Hmm. So I have just their trail that comes right beside me and then their trail that crosses about 30 yards ahead of me and then they have a scrape line that actually comes right and it would come under the tree and then there's it connects to that trail that goes right beside me out to where it meets at that one at 30 so oh yeah well you sent me pictures of the area yeah it looks pretty good I uh, I think it'll be good for you. And yeah, that cover behind, because you hung it in a big spruce tree, so you left all the tree or all the limbs behind you. I think that's a big thing, honestly, is the the cover behind you. You can get away with movement and stuff if, if you have the cover behind you to blend into, right? But, yeah. And that's the big the thing. thing I... Whenever uh, my mom and dad were up, me and my dad went and hung uh, a double stand, double man stand, ladder stand. And that's the only thing with it is all that's around is poplar trees. There's no cover like within bow range for sure. The closest tree that you could maybe hang it in would be about 150 yards away as far as like a spruce or a tree with cover behind you. But the problem with that too is you're going to be on the wrong side of the area that you need to be on with the wind, even if you were rifle hunting. So I uh, went and bought some of that 3D netting. I'm going to try hanging that up there. I'm going to go in uh, either, well, within the next couple of days and try to put that around it. That way, at least it'll conceal a little bit of movement. Nice, that'll be good. Yeah. One thing I like about the spruce trees is it helps cover your scent a little bit. And if there, if it's raining or snowing, you're, you are a little bit covered. Yeah, that is the one thing. The scent, I agree with it, but at the same time, I think that if you're putting yourself in that position, you're going to probably be busted anyways. Oh, definitely. The but... area where I have this one set up, I actually check the wind the whole time and it's absolutely perfect for me to walk in and it's perfect to hunt where all the deer where that big buck has been coming from it's he's coming straight upwind of me so yeah his wind would be coming straight to me the whole time Hmm. no that's nice yeah that's nice for sure just hopefully hopefully he keeps doing what he's doing (laughs) hopefully that's probably not how it's going to work, but we can hope. <laughs> That's right. So are you ready for the sheep hunt? I think so. I've, uh, as far as, I think my biggest thing will be physical limitations, to be honest with you. I, uh, and I don't know. Honestly, I think going up the mountain is going to be the hardest part of the trip 
Um, I've been working. Oh, today was day six, and I have one more day tomorrow. Twelve-hour uh, days coming home and doing two to two and a half kilometers a day with my pack. Um, today I done about two and a half kilometers. Probably jogged about a kilometer of the two and a half kilometers. Um, but as far as my pack, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. I think I might change a little bit of stuff around this weekend. I've been watching some videos, listening to some podcasts. I'm going to try a few things as far as taking my sleeping bag out of the stuff sack and just stuffing it in my pack to see if it gives me a little more room or, uh, I mean, weight-wise, it's not really going to change anything, but to see if I can fit it in there. Um, but last week I done a kind of a test run minus a little bit of oatmeal and candy bars, which I didn't have, but with my gun, spotting scope, the tent, uh, all, all the gear, all my food, like I said, and three liters of water, which is what I plan on packing with me. I was at 52 pounds, so not bad. Not horrible, but it is also our first sheep hunt, so there's probably going to be things that we figure out we can do without. Well, that's, yeah, I don't know. I'm fairly minimal. I think, I don't think you're going to agree with this, but I think I've decided to do without a... um solar cell phone charger i think i'm gonna leave that behind which that'll leave me it's probably a pound pound and a half with that um and then as far as clothes i've got two extra pair of boxers uh, two pairs of socks and then i packed my hudo uh, base layer in a in one of the Hudo pull-out stash pouches. Um, so that's all I'm taking as far as clothes other than what I'm going to wear in. Um, ten bullets. My clip holds holds five shells, so I'm going to take ten bullets, which hopefully it only takes one. But... Um, Really, as far as weight, the only thing that I could maybe lose would be a little bit of hygiene products and water. There's not much else that I can go without, but I don't know. First time going in, like I I, uh, have been reading a lot of forums. Guys say they're melting down deodorant and putting in chapstick tubes, but... I don't know, seven days on the mountain. I don't know, chapstick <laughs> tube with deodorant. You might kick I think, tent. I think that's a little too far. Well, I do too. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that diehard yet. No, I me either. Like, if I want to get to that point, 
I'll just rub my armpits with spruce boughs. Well, that's the thing. We uh, we walked through uh, a store the other day, just going through it. I said, let's go there. It's like a strictly outdoor camping store. Um, and we went through it. I said, I said, I'd like to go there just to walk through the aisles and see if there's anything that I think is going to be essential for this trip. And I actually picked up, it's a collapsible, uh, 20 liter pail so you can carry water or whatever. Is it 20 or 10? It's 20. They had a 10, they had a 10 liter, but the difference between the 10 liter and the 20 liter was two ounces. So I figured for the two ounces difference, I might as well grab the 20 liter. So it's a full, a full size, like you would pick up at a hardware store, uh, pail. Um, I grabbed it. I figured it would be good. We could get water for camp. We could use it to wash. And that's the only other thing after I picked it up. I think I might bring like a washcloth because then we can just get water and you can just wash your armpits and your <laughs> genital area off a little bit <laughs> just, to stay, just to stay fresh. Like, um, You know they make baby wipes for that too, right? Well, I'm going to take baby wipes. I got baby wipes packed. <laughs> so we'll see. But I don't know. Even the 20-liter the pail, I was thinking if we both get our jet boils going in the evening – Depending on, I've never used the aqua water tabs that I think both of us are packing. I know I'm packing them. I'm pretty sure you got the same ones. Yeah, I do. Um, depending, some reviews I've read said that they're okay. Some reviews say they taste like chlorine in the water. Uh, so, uh, kind of a little bit hesitant. I mean whatever if i'm thirsty i'm gonna drink the water but i thought that then that way if it isn't the best water using the aqua tabs we could grab a 20 liter pail and boil the water in the evening and fill up our water bottles for the day then at least we wouldn't have as much chlorine tasting water it can't get any worse than the tap water here yeah, your guys' tap water is terrible. I'm used oh, to it. Oh, it's absolutely water. disgusting. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's been a few years, but yeah, whenever we went in on that spring bear hunt, I remember I filled up my water bottle off your guys' tap before I left your house. And I remember thinking, man, this is disgusting water. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely horrible. Yeah. There's a reason everybody in this town buys their water yeah yeah it definitely has a chlorine chemically taste yeah well that's pretty good i I think i'm pretty much the same the only difference with me is i'm actually packing two solar battery chargers well that's the other reason why i kind of decided not to pack one is just because I know you're, you said you were going to pack two. And really, I think for the most part, you have the uh, Zolo 
for the yeah, most the, part. Yeah, the Zolio. And as long as we have that Zolio and at least one phone working at all times, we'll be good. Well, and that's, I told Marina, I said, I'll just shut my phone off. Like, I would like to take pictures because I think, I mean, this is the first time we're going to go sheep hunting. Hopefully yeah. not last, but. I think it's going to be something that I'm going to remember, but something that I'm also going to want to, you know, share pictures with and tell people about, and, oh yeah, I have this picture. But as far as that, like I'll turn my phone on for a little bit, take some pictures, shut it back off. So I think I should be pretty good. And really I'm going to have two charger battery banks. So if you do need to charge your phone there, that's easy to plug your phone into in the middle of the day and yeah. set it out on a rock so it charges and it charges your phone at the same time. Yeah. And then other than that, the only other thing I'm packing is a video camera. A video camera, which we were actually talking right before we got on that if you're too heavy, leave it behind and we'll just use the spotter and a phone scope and yeah, away we go. And like I said, I do have, I'll bring you up. I bought a phone scope that fits my binoculars, but not my spotting scope. So I'll bring that up, and if you want to take it in, you can. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing, like you said, with the phone, with the pictures, and that it's one of those things where, yeah, we're going to always remember it, but like even just going on this horse pack trip that we just went on, it was absolutely beautiful back there, and pictures don't do justice. <laughs> like, well, I'd love to have video footage and just show everything, and yeah, it just makes the experience that much better when you can relive it. Yeah, yeah, and whenever we get back into cell phone service, you can send me pictures or videos, and I can do the same. It's not like Oh, exactly. Yeah. But. And I mean, that video camera has some pretty darn good zooms, so. Oh, your video camera is amazing, especially with that uh, stability thing where the the lens stays still, even if the camera's moving. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it, uh, it works pretty good. So that's one thing I'm kind of excited for is to be able to look at all the sheep. Hopefully we see it sheep and we can zoom right <laughs> in with the video camera and kind of use that and the spotting scope to judge and hopefully okay. hopefully we have them spo- hopefully we have them found on the 23rd we can watch them the 24th and by the first hour of opening day we have a ram or two down hopefully two I'd I'd settle for one I'd Hopefully two, but I mean, I hope we get one. Two would be awesome, but man, that would be a heavy pack out. That would be a heavy pack out. Yeah, as we and... were going tonight, that's what I was telling Marina that I said if she said, well, you're going to get a little bit lighter each day because you're going to be eating your meals. I said, yeah. I said, but if we do, I said, if we shoot two sheep, like that's probably an extra 100 pounds on each one of our packs by the time. If not more. If not more. By the time you get the cape, the meat, and the horns, like that's a lot of extra weight. 
Yeah. So. And we're we'd be doing that in one trip, so one ram each. Oh yeah, one ram each. Like that's the thing. It it might take two days to get out. If it takes us a day to get in, it might take us two days to get out. With, but our, it's getting done in one trip. Yeah. No, I agree completely. In and out in one trip. Yeah, it's uh, our packs are pretty well the same. Just I got a couple different things. I'm still waiting on a couple things to come in the mail. Yeah, you texted me the other day that you ordered ordered a few extra goodies. I'm a little bit jealous of one of them, but we'll see how it works. Maybe I'll have one for next year. Uh, once you once you use it, you're gonna want one. That's what that was the selling point for me. I never used one before, and then after that horse trip that we went on, yeah, we had one and. It just keeping the water, the amount of time the water stays hot, like boiling hot. Well, you could probably have four cups of coffee and your water's still going to be hot. Huh. Travis has one too, doesn't he? He does, yes. We've yeah. just never used it whenever we've oh, been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just has it just in case. Yeah. Well, I looked at them, but they're a little out of my price range this year. So, yeah. We'll it was kind of a spur of the moment kind of thing. <laughs> I just seen it. And I'm like, screw it. I'm buying one. <laughs> and I just clicked that pay button and didn't think Buy about now. it. <laughs> yeah. Buy now and don't give me a choice to regret this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ordered, I ordered the jet boil, then another, another battery bank. And then, uh, I ordered a little foldable saw too, just to help cut the wood for cut the wood for in the stove. It's light. It's a lot lighter than packing that little hatchet that I have. Yeah, and then to help cut like the ribs off and cut leg bones and that kind of stuff. If he can't debone it right up on the mountain, so. Just something that'll help out a little bit. And I needed one for my pack anyways, so. Oh, we're going to debone it up on the mountain. If well, I'm it just falls in the if... valley, we might have to get it out of the valley. But it's getting Yeah, I'm just thinking if it gets dark and we just kind of want to get back to, ba- back to a camping spot. And then you kind of yeah. take your time and debone it all at your camp. Yeah. But, uh, no, I agree. It's all going to be deboned out there. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I actually shot my rifle the other day. I was able to reload a bunch of bullets. Oh yeah, went out and shot my rifle, and my clip on my gun is actually acting up. I can only load two bullets in it. Uh, don't worry, I got your backup whenever you miss two times. Well, if I <laughs> if I load three, when I pull the bolt back, it actually ejects two. They just shoot out. But when I load two bullets huh. in and I pull the bolt back, that's fine. Well, and I was tell your grandpa to buy a new clip for it. Well, I was actually doing some research because I was about to order a new clip. And apparently it's an ongoing issue with that model of gun. Huh. Yeah, there's been people that have bought multiple clips and they all do the same thing. They've reached out to the company, and the company has got them to send in 
their clip and they send them a new one and it's still done the same thing. They get about a month of shooting and then it it's right back to the same way. So hmm. I think it's just one of those things I might have to deal with or I might see if I can uh, curl the little metal tabs on the side a little bit. Yeah. Just enough to hold it in. But well, uh, really, if you have two in the clip and one in the chamber, three shells, yeah, you should be able to get it done. Oh, definitely. From my shooting the other day, I shot out to 400, and that's the first time I've shot past 200. And I feel confident that I could kill a kill a ram at 400 yards. Yeah. I don't want to take that far of a shot, so we need to get we need to get within a hundred yards. But if I if the opportunity comes and I can't get closer, then I feel confident. I don't know. I could be wrong. It's definitely different terrain, different country. But like I said, I think we both have a bow hunting mentality. Uh, where the closer the better i i'm sure i've told the story before i had a boss that uh the uh deer that you were with me and i shot i shot it at 200 yards and that same year i shot an elk at 40 yards and had him at five yards underneath my stand but i couldn't get a shot uh we were talking and uh, he said, yeah, he said, I shot a deer at 80 yards this year. He said, man, what an, adrenal, an adrenaline rush having a deer that close to you. And he said, within that range. And I looked at him and I said, if I don't have animals within 100 yards before I shoot, I feel like I failed as a hunter because to me, that's that's what you need to do. You need to be able to blend into your surroundings and get as close as possible. So in certain situations, well, that's what I mean. Like as, as far as sheep hunting, I could be wrong. Never been there. I think it's going to be totally different, but yeah. Yeah. And then like when you add like, for instance, your deer, your big deer that year, it just happened where he walked out was about, what was it, 150? I thought you ranged 150 it or 200. over 200. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. just over 200 because that's the furthest that I have ever shot an animal at. And so, yeah, so. I and think that was, that was guys all together. Oh, yeah, it was for sure. And I mean, that's the thing. Don't get me wrong. If the shot presents itself, I'm going to take it. But most of the time, I'm going to try to get closer than that. Yeah. Oh, We'd like to take a moment to thank one of our many great sponsors for the show, Hudo Lifestyle. Hunt harder, go further, stay longer. Hudo has all kinds of gear for the serious hunter, including feather light pullout stash pouches for your pack, base and outer layers to keep you warm on your next hunting adventure. Hudo also has you covered after the kill with lightweight reusable game bags and an assortment of fixed and replaceable blade knives to help with processing your game. Or 
Grab some stylish swag for when you and your buddies are sitting around the fire in the evening reminiscing about the day's hunt. See all Hudo has to offer at Hudo Lifestyle on Facebook, Instagram, or HudoLifestyle.ca. Hooked up, tagged out, Hudo. Definitely. The closer you are, the better your success is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like. I Bow hunting, I don't want to take a shot over 40 yards. No. Can I take a shot over 40 yards? Yeah, I can all day long. But do I ethically? No, I don't. No. No, that's for sure. Rifle hunting, the furthest shot I've ever done on an animal is, I think, my big white tail, and it was right around the 200-yard mark. Huh. Everything, everything else with that is – everything else I've shot with my gun has been within 100 yards. That's kind of funny, though. Me and you both the same year shot whitetail at about 200 yards. I think mine was just over. I think he ranged it at like 212 or something. Yeah. After I had shot. And I think mine was hovering right around 200. Yeah. But, yeah, both of us, that's the furthest shot that we've ever, ever shot. Like, look at my big bull elk I shot. Bow hunted them all archery season and the start of rifle season and then go out one day after work with the rifle and shoot them at 50 yards. Yeah. Like, that's just how it happens. Yeah, no, I agree. Most of the time during rifle season, I pull out the rifle, but then looking back on most of the shots I've taken, I could have made probably 75, 80% of them with a with a bow. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, after we get back from sheep hunting, what are your plans? You got well, elk hunting we, plans? Yeah, so we plan on getting back from sheep, I believe, on the 29th of August. Well, I was thinking the 26th after we shoot two rams on the 25th, but that would be that would be even better cuz that would give me more time to go elk hunting. <laughs> but uh if we go on original plan timeline, if we have to spend our whole time out there, we're 29th of August. I'm going to kind of take the 30th off to kind of relax and hang out with the family for a day and then the night of the 30th, probably, I think I'm heading up to meet up with Travis and Jason and go elk hunting until the 4th or 5th of September. Hmm. And then I go back to work for a week, and then I have three more weeks off after that to chase elk and then moose. And then moose. So who's Jason? I mean, I know who Jason is, but we... Everybody, I think, at this point, if you listen to the podcast, know who Travis is with Wapiti River. But Jason, who's Jason? So Jason is one of our good friends. He runs Hunt Alberta. And he kind of, he does some educational process with Hunt Alberta. I believe he still does some guiding, some resident guiding. I'm not. 100% sure on that if he does still or not but I believe he does he sells products I think he has a knife knife that he sells he 
is a distributor for White Rock performance gear. He's a distributor for Treeline rooftop tents. I believe it's Treeline. And a couple other companies that he sells for. And he's just a an all-around awesome dude that loves to kill elk. <laughs> Don't we all, though? Yeah. It hit all of his stuffs at uh, Hunt Ready. Hunt Ready, yes, sorry. Not Hunt Alberta, Hunt Ready. Hunt Ready. Uh, I was kind of wondering, actually, Hunt Alberta. I thought maybe he was involved in something I didn't know about, but Hunt no, Ready. No, you're right, it is Hunt Ready. I uh, messed up on that one. So, sorry, Jason. <laughs> I was uh, actually given one of his knives by Travis uh, last year, and... All their knives are hand-forged, I want to say. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, they're all yeah. handmade by Chris Palfy with Palfy Custom Knives. Yeah. And, uh, well, you, you used mine last year on your moose. Yeah. No, they're they're sharp. They're definitely a quality knife for sure. They're light, but the steel that they use is it holds an edge really well. Yeah, it's uh I was blown away by this knife. I'm I've always always stuck to replaceable blade knives just cuz I absolutely suck at sharpening knives. And this one, I got this knife from Jason. We got your moose, that was the first animal I used on it. And it was still sharp after I contacted Chris and he kind of helped me walk help walk me through touching it up a bit and I touched it up and it was a lot better than what it was so then we got my grandpa's moose and I used it on that one and then I got my deer and I used it on that one as well and it's a very comfortable knife it's super light. Like Brian said, the blade holds an edge really good. And they are tough. Yeah, for sure. So definitely, uh, if you're in the market for a knife, check out huntready.com and check out the Hunt Ready Guide Light Knife or just go to Chris Palfi's website and check out his custom made knives you bet so what's your plans after a sheep hunt uh honestly i don't know after our sheep hunt probably either going to be doing the same as you either chasing elk or chasing deer i kind of haven't decided yet depends on what kind of information i get on peppa and this unnamed deer at my in-laws um i think i might try to sneak out there for an observation sit or two uh in the next couple weeks before we head out for sheep and then depending on what they turn up uh, go from there and 
like I said, within the next couple days, I'm going to try and do an observation set for Peppa because he's got to be betting in one of two spots. So then we'll see from there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It kind of just depends on if I have intel and feel like I can successfully kill one of these two big deer, I'm probably going to go deer hunting. If not, I'm going to try and put some meat in the freezer and kill an elk and shoot the first legal elk that I see. You and me both. (laughs) Uh, I've decided this year that I'm shooting the first legal bull that walks in front of me and gives me a clean shot. You've said that the last two years, and then it's ha- it's happening this year. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see pictures. Well, you're gonna get pictures this year, <laughs> whether it's a three by three or a six by six. <laughs> Getting an arrow, I gotta break the ice and get my first archery bowl. That's right. That's the thing. Like I, which don't get me wrong, I don't put a lot of time. You spend way more time elk scouting than I do but I think I've only got three legal bulls on camera maybe I mean I've gotten lots of cows which during archery season you can shoot a cow Uh, which depending on the information the intel that I have on these two deer I would maybe very well do just to put meat in the freezer so I could focus on deer hunting. Um, But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. That's kind of a tough call to make at this point. Like I said, I got to work tomorrow and then off for a couple days. I'm planning on doing an observation sit there then for Peppa. If it turns up good, um, I'll probably definitely be deer hunting. <laughs> hey, at least you have legal bulls on your camera. Yeah, I've got two to three. I've got one little where I hunt a three-point zone. I've got one bull that's a two-by-two two that shows up probably every other day. And I think I sent you one of the pictures yesterday. He was bedded down in the middle of the lick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, hopefully his dad starts showing up. That's all I can say. If he had one more point, I would definitely be sitting there waiting for him. Yeah, where I normally hunt is a six-point zone. So I've got nothing but five-by-fives and smaller on all my cameras. Uh, But where I go hunt up with Travis, it's a three-point zone. So I just kind of go up there and we kind of have our spots that we always go to and just kind of look for fresh sign and go from there. So since you hunt the six point zone, I'm going to throw something out here at you that we, me and you, I think have talked a little bit about it. Not a whole lot actually, but the six point zone, how do you feel about the six point zone? Do you think that a lot of bulls reach the five by five and then never 
get to that six point and then pass those genes on? Or do you think that most of the mature bulls do hit six point and are legal to kill? Well, I definitely believe that there are some big bulls that they get to be big fives and that might be all they get or they might grow into a small six that might not be quite legal. But from my experience on my cameras, what I've seen and what I've called in, when you get to a certain maturity level, I guess, and you can, when you are around animals enough, you can tell in their bodies and their body language and how their body, their back slopes instead of arches and they got the big sagging bellies and everything like that, right? I've seen lots of six by sixes. Like you see, I don't see many old, old bulls that are big fives. I always see them mature to a six. Now, are there many of them? No. I think because it is a six-point zone, and this goes for the three-point zone as well, as soon as they're legal, the odds are they're getting shot. Oh, but, yeah. But the bulls that are breeding, that are your herd bulls, I guess you could call them, typically are a big, mature six. So they are passing those genetics down. And I have years and years of pictures of all these different bulls. And you can actually see in the antler forms that, okay, this bull is the father of this bull and this bull and this bull. Because all their all their uh, antler forms are fairly similar for certain areas. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, even just, I don't know if I would have picked up on it looking at the pictures that you sent me, but you've sent me pictures and um, pointed out distinct characteristics of each elk. And yeah, they kind of pass on as far as each each elk in each area, right? Um, where as far as the bull that I shot, what, in 2019? Yeah. Uh, same thing. I hunt everywhere around here is three-point zone. The bull that I shot was a six-point bull. It was not legal six-point by Alberta standards. The sixth point was two and seven eighths inches long or something like that, just under three inches. So it didn't meet the Alberta six point rule. But that bull actually still had its baby teeth. And I kid you not, because I done the Euro mount on it. And it was about a month later, like it was still kind of stinking. And I was like, man, what in the world? And so I started looking and you could see where it's adult teeth were coming down, trying to push the baby teeth out. So 
to me, that was probably going to be a big bull if he reached maturity. But I do not regret shooting him one bit. It's a three-point zone. That's a six-point bull. I'd shoot it again this year if he walked in front of me, 100%. Oh, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, the biggest thing I find up here is there are big bulls up here in the six-point zones. But they're so hard to hunt. Because everybody sees these big bulls getting harvested and they put that to six-point zones because they think, well, it's a six-point zone. They have to be big. Mm -hmm. And the valleys we hunt are so steep and narrow, you bust a bull, they're gone. Yeah. And... I might be in there trying to hunt this bull and trying to be conservative on how I hunt this bull and not pushing him super hard, kind of waiting for the perfect opportunity. And Joe Blow might come in not knowing and blow this bull out. And well, now both of us are back at square one. Yeah. And they don't go a short distance either. They go a long ways. So... And there's some areas where they do go where we just can't, we just don't have access to it. You can't physically get in there. So I think that is a harder part to hunt out here than actually finding a legal bull. But as far as other hunters, yes. Yeah. And it's just the pressure and I think we're our worst enemies. We see somebody we have a plan to go to a certain area and we see somebody in that certain area and some people are really good about it. They oh okay, Joe Blow beat me there today. I guess I'll go find a spot over here. But you also have a lot of people that they think they own that area. And they go in there anyways. They don't care if you're in there. They, I've had people park 100 yards away from me, if that, and go in the same area. I've called people in. It's like, oh, okay. I didn't know you are in here. Sorry. And I go back down to my truck, and they're literally parked right in front of my truck. And it's like, okay, now I don't feel sorry because they came in on my hunt. Yeah. No, for sure. But that's just where ethics come in, too. Yeah, that's unfortunately part of public land hunting, I think, no matter where you are. Yeah. Some people are good. I mean, I try to be good. And I know I've said it before. Honestly, if I pull up to a spot and there's somebody there, I don't go into it just because, I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm a better hunter than anybody because... I don't have the animals on the wall to prove it, but I don't know how you hunt and I don't want you to screw up my hunt. I feel like I'm probably going to be more successful if I go down the road to a different spot than have to deal with somebody else in the area that I don't know where they're at. I don't know if they're playing the wind right. I don't know how they're calling all those factors, right? 
one, that's just it. Like, I believe it was you and I out a couple of years ago. We called in this hunter, talked to him a little bit. We just kind of said, okay, well, we're going over this way. And we started going, and we seen him walk all the way around, win completely wrong. And we're just like, okay, well, there's no point in even going in here. So then we left. Yeah. And then I think the in 2019, wasn't it a couple of days or a week before you shot your bull, you were actually heading into an area. Yeah. And guys drove around your Jeep on this little tiny cut line. Well, actually, was, I, don't even, I don't even think it was a cut line. Yeah, it was just a quad trail. I was parked basically at the entrance. The quad trail just across the, the main road there. And I was parked just off of the quad trail. And I was actually on the quad trail, probably 30, 40 yards on the quad trail. Um, two quads came up. And they split off. And the the reason why I like that spot, like to go there, is because sometimes the wind's different there than what it is at my house. So you can pull up to that spot, check the wind from where you park. If the wind's going one way, well, you head on the opposite direction. If the wind's going the other way, well, you go the opposite direction. So I pulled up. I checked the wind. The wind was going to the west, so I started heading east. And I was probably on the quad trail 40, 50 yards, and I hear two quads coming up. And I thought, nah, they'll just drive past, whatever. So I stop and I kind of turn around because I can still see the road at this point. Nope, sure enough, here comes the two quads. One goes west, right into the wind. They're since going directly into the wind, being carried by the wind. The other guy turns and comes right past me, and I had to step off of the quad trail to get out of his way so he didn't run me over. And, like, never even stopped to ask, hey, where are you going to? Are you going in here? Are you going to which way are you going once you get in here? Like never stopped to communicate or anything, just drove right past me. And I was so frustrated that I almost went home. But I decided to go check out a different area and went in there. And uh, that evening I ended up calling a bull into... 50 yards 50 60 yards i don't quite remember um had the opportunity to probably squeeze off a shot but it wasn't the right shot in my opinion so i passed and uh 100 my own fault like i should have had a 30 yard shot just looking back on it now i would have set up different than what i did um <clears throat> excuse me but uh i mean for instance that is exactly what i'm talking about somebody screws up your hunt somebody else goes into your area you go to a different area you have a memorable night whereas if i would have 
continued on my way that I was going, who knows what I would have ran into. Like, probably would have seen nothing. Don't know for sure, but like I said, I would rather abandon the area, move 10 miles if I have to, to a different area, go in and see what it holds, than go into an area with somebody, especially... For instance, there, I knew that they obviously weren't probably playing the wind because they branched off. And like I said, I checked the wind before I left my truck. The wind was going west. The one guy drew drove west. The other guy drove east. I guarantee you the guy that drove west did not see anything that night because he was broadcasting his scent right out in front of him. Oh, exactly. Like, I remember some mornings I've went out and there's been people where I want to go. And it's like, oh, okay, we'll drive up the road a bit further and to where you know it's safe where you can go as well. And yeah, end up having awesome success that day, whether it's you call in a bull or see a buck that you don't expect to see. And sometimes you get some, sometimes you don't. But I mean, that's the thing. A lot of times you don't, but I mean, that night, the spot, it's, it was an area that I've always wanted to check out, but always had so many other areas that I knew were good. I just didn't want to go in there, but they screwed me up and the wind was right to go in there. So I thought, well, tonight's the night to check it out. And it's actually become probably one of my better areas to hunt so i mean it just goes to show i don't know to me as a hunter a lot of times other hunters are the worst people in the world a lot of times we don't show respect for each other whether it being a hunting spot, a hunting area, or on social media, or whatever the case may be, but I don't know. We get enough flack from anti-hunters that, come on guys, we need to stand up and have each other's back and not screw each other over. I agree. There's nothing that makes me more mad than going on social media and seeing a young kid shoot a small deer. Is it something we would all shoot? Maybe not. Does it matter? No. Is that kid happy with what he got? Yeah, he's probably over the fence happy with his first deer. Is it our job to call him out on why did you shoot that? I would have never shot something like that. No, it's not. Just keep scrolling. Wow. I don't know. Whatever. You can stop listening to the podcast if you want after I say this. Whatever. But my first probably three years of hunting, I think that I shot two or three button bucks. Did I know that they were button bucks at the time? No. Would I go back and shoot them again? 100% I would. It's... I don't know. I mean, growing up, more as I've 
became an adult, I've trophy hunted more per se, but my mentality still is the freezer has to be full before I trophy hunt. Um, but growing up, my dad was allergic or is allergic to beef and pork. So growing up, if it's brown, it's down. And that's just the way it was. I couldn't agree more. Like, I think I shot six white-tailed does before I even shot a white-tailed buck. Yep. I don't know. I If you're happy shooting the little spike or the four-point, 100% go for it. Am I going to shoot it? No, I'm probably not. But I've also been hunting for 22 years coming up this year. So, I mean, I hope if you've been hunting for 20 years, you're not shooting spikes. But if your adrenaline still gets going and that's what makes you happy, shoot it. Yeah. I mean, I I hope we're not hunting in the same areas. (laughs) Not going to lie. I hope that the areas that I'm hunting, the deer have a chance to mature. All the areas I hunt, no, I know they're not. Like, uh, I sent you a picture of a deer tonight that's a nice, I don't even know what it is, five by six. Yeah, he's a nice young deer. He's a nice young deer. Like, you can tell he's young, too, because his back still sways up. It's not even even. It doesn't sway down. Um, he doesn't have a saggy belly. He doesn't have a big neck on him. Like it's a young deer. He's got potential to be a big deer, but the area that he's in, I don't really expect him to live to maturity. He's probably going to get shot. It's got a lot of pressure in that area. So that's just the fact. That's just the way that it is, but and it's it sucks to have something have a deer of that quality taken away from something you'd love to see it grow into but at the same time whoever shoots that deer is probably going to be tickled pink oh, and yeah. in all For- reality it's about getting that younger gener- generation started yeah. if it's a spike that gets their interest and that's what gets them hooked awesome yeah if it it's a 160 inch deer that they want to shoot and that's what gets them hooked even better but in all reality people need to just shoot what they're happy with and if you're not happy with what somebody else shot who cares nope i agree i agree that is part of the public land hunting too i mean it's uh that part really doesn't frustrate me because i mean i totally like I said, I've been in the mentality, the aspect of if it's brown, it's down. Uh, so it doesn't bother me that somebody else shoots it. That's why most of my deer hunting area is in areas where people either are not willing to go or people just overlook or don't know about because I find that they hold the more mature deer. Um, But I mean, truthfully, as far as an elk hunter, I've shot two elk, one cow, one bull. 
I, as far as elk hunting goes, I still have the mentality and I don't know that I will ever get out of that, out of that mentality of that's a lot of meat in the freezer that fills and feeds my family for a year. If it's legal, I'm probably going to shoot it. (laughs) I agree. I like I've shot three elk, two bulls and one cow. Will I personally ever shoot a cow again? No, I won't. But I don't care if Joe Blow down the street shoots a cow or you shoot a cow. A successful hunt's a successful hunt. Oh, I would I would definitely shoot another cow. Is That's it the best meat I've ever had? <laughs> oh, it is amazing meat. <laughs> and like it's nice to shoot big bulls. I've been spoiled and lucky with it but and that's a big reason on why I have a hard time shooting smaller bulls but at the same time like you said we're there for one job and one job only and that's to make sure our freezers are full at the end of the day we have to make sure our freezers are full so yeah I said it here I'm shooting the first legal bull that I see this year and my freezer is going to be full. I'm calling this season Operation Fill the Freezer. And I'm saying it here. Don't believe Dylan. I've heard it the last. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm going to prove you wrong. I hope you do. I'll be honest with you. I 100% hope you do. You bought that new bow. You've had the opportunity the last two years and you passed on them. I hope you prove me wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> but I think that's uh, I think that's yeah. gonna be it for tonight. That's I'm going saying. to work in the morning. So uh, thanks for tuning in to episode fifteen, and we will catch you on the next one.